0: Welcome to this week's special show, ladies and gentlemen. Well, there really isn't anything special about it other than it is the final show for season three. As I mentioned in last week's episode, I will be taking a break from producing episodes over Christmas and New Year's. That's so I can really focus on spending time with my bride. It has been a really hectic season on the show, guest cancellations and rescheduling. We have had some fantastic guests actually fulfill their commitment, and for that I'm grateful. People like John Harris of the Tennessee Firearms Association, a true defender of our most basic civil liberty, that of self-defense, which includes defending yourself from a tyrannical government. We have had Tennessee State Senators Frank Nicely and Janice Bowling on the program. Frank, he's a true Southern gentleman, and I wish him well in all of his future endeavors. The same thing goes for Janice, whom I will always refer to as the Iron Lady of the Tennessee Senate. I hope to have them on the program here again in the near future, but with the General Assembly convening right around the corner, I'm quite sure they will be busy trying to fend off the commie jackals in Nashville. Those commie jackals include that group of people that I refer to as Transpublicans. You can actually see evidence of that with the latest rending of garments and gnashing of teeth by those on both sides of the aisle that either want to keep all children in the failing, on purpose too, failing government education centers across the state, or those that want government strings attached to any any proposal that puts the citizens' sweat equity back in their own pockets as they seek to find a better solution to educate their children. Specifically, they want strings attached, meaning they want control of people that choose to homeschool their children. We will be definitely discussing that attack on liberty of the citizens in an upcoming season, which I mentioned last week, kicks off on the 8th of January. I'm still waiting on Congresswoman Harshbarger's office to finally nail down a time for her to come on the program. By far, she has been the most elusive. I'm also waiting for state senator or state representative Bud Halsey to get back with me as I really want to discuss his and Senator Bowling's nullification bill with him. By the way, thank you to the many listeners across the state for your feedback on the episode about the nullification bill. I believe the bill can get across the finish line in the General Assembly if the members there receive enough push from the counties all across the state. Please continue those efforts with your local county commissions or even county Republican Party organizations. Nashville needs to know they have Tennessean support to push back against tyranny that is running rampant with the central government in Washington, D.C. The latest example of their tyranny is the recent passage of the National Defense Authorization Act. There's a whole bunch of liberty robbing or liberty usurping language in that piece of legislation, which is really just par for the course. It just goes to prove a point I regularly hear while watching the Dan Bongino show, and I believe that I've repeated on my program as well. It is this, while the Republicans are not the solution to all of your problems, the Democrats well, they are definitely the cause of all the problems. And that doesn't apply to just Washington, D.C. folks. We'll talk about that sometime soon, too. For now, though, let's get on with this week's show and the season three finale. Welcome to a show where we will discuss how the citizens of this republic must continuously fight to maintain our liberty. And those fights are increasingly against our own government. Some of the episodes on Liberty will shine a light on exactly how all levels of government are seeking to erode our constitutionally protected rights. We will also discuss the leadership needed to restore our constitutional republic, as well as providing examples of good and bad people in leadership positions in all facets of our society. Additionally, We will discuss the lies that people in positions of power and influence spread every day so they can maintain those same positions. I'm your host, Larry Linden, retired U.S. Navy veteran, small business owner, and candidate for the Tennessee House of Representatives, and this is the Liberty Leadership and Lies podcast. Again, welcome to this week's show, ladies and gentlemen. Truly humbled and honored that you are joining me today for the season finale. As I mentioned in the opening, as well as in last week's episode, I plan on taking a couple of weeks off from producing content so that I can really enjoy some time with my bride, as well as my daughter and son-in-law over the holidays. Season four will open on the 8th of January, which, coincidentally, will be my first day back at work in the Permian Basin. As many of you know, this upcoming year's contract with a client will predominantly be classroom training, which I'm fine with. Actually, I'm more than fine with it because I have spent some time during previous winter months out in the oil patch, both in Texas and North Dakota, and those temperatures leave something to be desired. I could definitely stand the heat and high temperatures better than I can the cold temperatures. As many of my close friends and families know, the cold and snow was one of the reasons I initially joined the Navy back in '87. At that time, I was living with my family in central New York in a small town a bit north of Syracuse, New York. That is an area of the country where they regularly measure snow in feet instead of inches. I will probably share the details of that on a future episode. That really didn't cap off my complete aversion to snow and cold temperatures, though. What sealed the deal on that was, so to say, was something they call becoming a blue nose in the U.S. Navy. It's just one of those quote-unquote team-building traditions that go back a long time in naval history. It's quite similar to becoming a shellback, which I'm one of those as well, having gone through one of those ceremonies back in the 80s. But becoming a blue-nose happens when you're serving on a ship that operates north of the Arctic Circle. For a bit of background, a blue-nose is simply a sailor who crossed the Arctic Circle above 66 degrees, 34 minutes north, just like crossing the equator or becoming a shellback, as I just mentioned. There's a line crossing ceremony associated. And once you're done, congratulations, you're a certified Blue Nose. Tradition states that in order to join the order of the Blue Nose, a sailor must cross that line and when they do, they enter the realm of Aureus Rex, King of the North. The only way to be accepted into the order is to successfully complete his list of challenges. The list of challenges, at least on the submarine I was stationed on back at the turn of the century anyway, before a generation of weak sailors joined the Navy and started screaming about hazing. Well, on the submarine, the challenges or ceremony included a lot of ice and near-frozen water. I'll leave out much of the other stuff because it was mainly the huge tubs of ice and water and being sprayed with firefighting water, which is seawater that has been freshly ingested into the boat's variable ballast tanks while operating under the polar ice cap, which means it was very, very cold. You see, salt water doesn't freeze at 32 degrees Fahrenheit. Seawater does not freeze until somewhere around 28 degrees Fahrenheit. One of the challenges I had to complete was something called diving a torpedo tube. That's when you have to crawl into a torpedo tube and inch yourself down the entire length of the tube. It's a bit over 20 feet. And scrawl your name on the inner door with a grease pencil and then inch your way out backwards. While you're inching your way down and back, you're being sprayed with that minus 32 degrees firefighting water. Then there are a couple of more challenges, one of which is being immersed in a large tub of ice water up to your neck. And the only way to get out of it is to correctly recite the words to a particular song. Now these challenges vary among submarine crews. So other blue nose sailors may have done something a bit different, but they all involve temperatures that turn your nose blue, so to speak. As I mentioned earlier, I also left out the stuff about the other challenges we had to complete. That's to keep the mystique around the challenges just in case they're still being conducted. But the whole point of discussing that was because ever since that ceremony that I went through back in 2001, coupled with a few years of living in the part of the country where snow is measured in feet, not inches, I've not been able to tolerate cold temperatures very well. I definitely prefer the heat. So conducting these classroom seminars will definitely be an improvement over being out in the field exposed to the elements, especially in the winter months. I am very much looking forward to these future engagements, let me tell you. But this will be our last time together for a bit. I'm still down in Carlsbad, New Mexico, wrapping up the field engagements in this area for the remainder of this coming week. I also just facilitated, uh, well, I just finished facilitating one of those classroom sessions this past Saturday. I also, a bonus, get to return home on the day my bride and I celebrate our wedding anniversary. Homecomings are always great, but even more so when they happen on special occasions such as that. And yes, she informed me that she saved a bunch of cookies from her cookie palooza, so I don't have to miss out on them this year. It is shaping up to be a wonderful two weeks off before I'm back at the grind again. Now, let's discuss some of the ways in which the new aristocracy is subverting our Constitution and usurping our liberty. If you have been following the cabal, and yes, the cabal includes members of both major political parties, if you have been following what is going on at the seat of the central government, not the federal government, in Washington, D.C., you will know that the House and Senate passed their versions of the National Defense Authorization Act, or NDAA. What a bunch of garbage in that piece of legislation. If you were hoping that the new Speaker of the House would be a breath of fresh air after McCarthy was outed, your hopes should be dashed by now. He and a lot of other people talked a good game right out of the gate and the way the commies attacked him did build him up to being something different, something other than what we would become accustomed to. But it didn't. It was all pretense. Because a true Christian conservative, somebody who would actually follow the Constitution, would not have allowed that NDAA to pass. We come back from this quick break. We'll discuss a few of the things that Bill that that are offensive to people's liberty. This NDAA serves as a bright and shining example of the fact that our government, well, it hates us. With that, I'll be right back. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're back. Let me ask you a, a few questions. First, do you like paying for abortion vacations? How about paying to have your government spy on you, the citizens, without first obtaining a warrant? Are you okay with that? Ignoring the Fourth Amendment to the Constitution? Or maybe, maybe you're all okay with your tax dollars paying for transgender surgeries. Is it okay with you that your tax dollars are being spent on drag queen story hours on military installations? Well, That was the renegotiated bill that House Speaker Johnson allowed through. It is an NDAA so terrible that more Democrats than Republicans voted for it last Tuesday. It's not an action that is very conservative or even Republican for that matter, don't you think? Of course, Speaker Johnson gave an excuse about the extension of the Section 702 provision that has been weaponized against the citizens of this republic. He stated that it was necessary to include a four-month extension of Section 702 in this bill to allow lawmakers time to agree on an overhaul of that program. An overhaul? Really? This program needs to be done away with completely because it violates the Constitution of the United States. Period. Full stop. On the Senate side of our Congress, only six Republicans voted against it six, ladies and gentlemen. Back to the House of Representatives, Up, This bill could have been stopped in its tracks because of the mechanics Speaker Johnson used to bring it up for a vote. Some of those weird rules that the House comes up with on its own about passing or proposing legislation. Rules that they only follow when it's convenient, by the way. We have spoke before about the House rule that all legislation must include a constitutional authority statement as the basis for the legislation, a rule that is followed by only throwing one or two of the enumerated power clauses on the bill, which often don't even match up with the intended use of the piece of bill or piece of legislation. As a topic for another day, though. is But Speaker Johnson, he brought this bill, which is what the Senate's version anyway. And we all know which party holds the majority control in that chamber, don't we? The communists. Anyway, the Senate copycat bill was brought up for a vote using one of the House's procedural rules, really under something called an expedited process, where the normal rules concerning legislation can be bypassed. You hear that? Rules that allow for the bypass of rules. Why are the rules in the first place? It's just to provide the members of the House the ability to provide the illusion of their fealty to the Constitution. But using this expedited process means the bill could have been defeated because the bill brought to the floor under the expedited process requires a two thirds vote for passage. The Republicans hold a majority, a very slim one, but still a majority, a 221 to 213 hold on the House of Representatives. So surely 148 Republicans would vote against passage of this atrocity that not only funds abortion vacations, and genital mutilation surgeries, along with keeping the program alive and well that the executive branch of government has used to spy on Americans, but it also continues to fund the money laundering operation that's going on in Ukraine. All of those items are opposed by a majority of Americans, but only 73 out of the 221 Republicans in the House of Representatives voted against the passage that abomination of a bill. You know, the dementia ward escapee will gleefully be signing that bill, further usurping the liberty of the people and paying off his Ukrainian blackmailers. Don't you think? Of course, the usual suspects in the Tennessee delegation voted to usurp the rights and sweat equity of Americans. That was Chuck Fleischman of Tennessee's third congressional district, Scott Desjarlais of the fourth congressional district, and David Kustoff of the 8th District. I was pleased to see that Diana Harshbarger, Tim Burchett, and speaking of Congressman Tim Burchett, if you are not following him on Twitter, you have to. Some of the stuff he posts there is absolutely hilarious as he pokes fun at the communists. He and State Senator Nicely play that social media game very well against those comics. Anyway, continuing on, Harshbarger, Bruschett, Ogles, Rose, and Green all voted against the passage. But get this, that communist loon that represents the 9th district over by Memphis, Congressman Cohen, he voted against the bill. That's almost like a unicorn sighting. It is an extremely rare event when a Democrat member of the House or Senate votes against legislation that robs the citizens of their liberty or waste our sweat equity in the money laundering scheme called foreign aid. This piece of liberty-eroding legislation is just more proof, ladies and gentlemen, that our government does indeed hate us. They are only concerned with solidifying their positions at the helm of the constitutionally created organization that ignores the Constitution, and they seek to rule us and not govern us by the consent of the government. They are only able to do that, too, because of the apathy of the electorate. Plain and simple. I want to touch on a point in the NDA that I don't think many people have considered as it relates to the euphemistically called gender affirming care for members of the military. The genital butchery, medications, and lifelong medical treatments necessary for the mentally ill people that undergo that gender affirming care will those same soldiers, sailors, Marines, and airmen that voluntarily butcher themselves? be considered service-connected disabled after their time on active duty is over because of that? I'm not sure about that aspect because I've not heard about any case yet. And that's true because this type of medical treatment is relatively recent, but I would not doubt it one bit. So not only in the here and now will the citizens of this nation be forced to pay taxes to cover those surgeries, but I believe that taxpayers will be on the hook for medical treatment and medications for the rest of those mentally ill people's lives. And it's a mental illness that predates their entry on active duty. Because let's face it, a lot of those mentally ill people joined the service after Sleepy Joe got into office and promised to pay for their surgeries and treatment. While the mental illness cannot be considered service-connected, the resulting treatment and surgeries that will permanently injure them will have occurred while they are on active duty earning them a disability rating from the VA, ensuring they get lifelong treatment for the resulting fallout from those same surgeries and treatment. Mark my words, ladies and gentlemen, in the communist mad rush to create a all kinds of subgroups of people, the long-term effects on our wallets will be astronomical. This social contagion enabled and facilitated by the equally crazy leftists in our government will cost the taxpayers astronomical sums of money now and well into the future. It could have been stopped by the Republicans in the House, but they chose to do this to us because the passage of the NDA was definitely not something for us. When I come back, I will discuss the latest brouhaha happening here in the volunteer state as it relates to the big push by Trans-Publican Governor Lee and the rest of his bootlicking cohort in the General Assembly. So, I'll be back right after this brief pause. All right, folks, we're back. Let me start off by sharing a few words or phrases with you. First, education savings account. Next is a wildly popular phrase, especially among so-called Republicans and even true conservative individuals school choice. And finally, a phrase that has entered in the lexicon here in my beloved state of Tennessee, education freedom. All three of those phrases seem to rally those on the right side of the political spectrum for good reason too, because they infer some type of personal autonomy or control over the education of their children. But is that really the case? Or are they words and phrases meant to provide the facade of freedom that the people serve in all levels of government need in order to keep their positions of power and control? Let's begin with a phrase or program called the Education Savings Account, ESA, here in Tennessee. Straight from the Tennessee state's website comes the definition of that program, quote, The ESA program allows eligible students who are zoned to attend Memphis Shelby County Schools, Metro Nashville Public Schools, Hamilton County Public Schools, or a school that was in the Achievement School District on May 24, 2019, to use state and local money toward education expenses, including tuition and or fees at approved private schools, unquote. Did you catch the key words in that program's description? Because they are words government likes to use all the time. State and local money. Or approved. Why are phrases like that continuously used? Well, simply because it implies that it is the benevolent rulers in our government at all levels of government. Those words imply that the government is doing something for somebody. They are kindly providing you, the taxpaying citizen, some of the government treasury's largesse to find a better school to have your child educated. But wait, where does the government get this money they are so benevolently giving back to parents that wants to find a better school than the ones the government currently runs? Well, that money first came from the taxpayers themselves. Pretty neat how that works, right? Oh, you poor lowly vassal that works hard for your money to pay taxes, that prop up our poorly run indoctrination centers, here is some of your money back to find a better school. But first, you have to live in a specific location to be eligible. You cannot make too much money either, because if you did, you could do this on your own while still funding our failing schools. Oh, you also have to go only to a school that we approve of. Of course, if too many people want to rescue their children from our failing schools, we'll have to enter your child into a lottery. If by chance they are randomly chosen for our ESA wealth distribution program, then it's your lucky day. By the way, though, you have to go through this every year because we are such benevolent rulers that we want to uh, provide this opportunity to all children. Again, though, only those children that live in a certain location and meet certain income requirements. Because as George Orwell said so eloquently, some animals are more equal than others. Now the ESA program is one of Tennessee or Transpublican Governor Lee's signature or legacy pieces of legislation. The fact right there should cause every true conservative to question not only the means for implementing the program, but the desired outcomes as well. I sort of alluded to that in my sarcastic dialogue a minute ago. And if you didn't catch on to this, the state, meaning the new aristocracy serving a government, they are the ones that pick and choose which alternative schools are the options for the taxpaying citizens so they can send their children. And just like every other program institution that receives quote unquote government money, there will be strings attached. Always, if you can name one organization anywhere that receives some money from any level of government where there is not strings attached to it, please let me know. Shoot me an email. It's Larry at com. Again, that is Larry at com, All one word. I would love to be proven wrong on this but I do not think that that will be the case at all. Noticeably absent from the initial list of quote-unquote eligible institutions for ESA money to be sent to in order to rescue children from the socially destructive public school systems in our state were people that homeschool their children. Much like people that send their children to private schools, these homeschool parents pay the taxes to support the government-run schools and they pay for the curriculums that they use to properly educate their children. Private schools, children's parents, they pay taxes for the schools and tuition at the private schools. Why aren't all home schools and private schools eligible for the original or under the original ESA program? Could it be because of the strings that come attached with that government money that those parents and private schools do not want to operate within those strings? Or that the government could not figure out how to make the strings palatable enough for those two groups. The former seems more likely. Whatever government touches turns to crap, especially those items outside of its enumerated powers. Those things serve only to enrich those that serve in government and rob the people of their liberty. But what about those other two phrases I mentioned at the start of the segment? School choice and education freedom. They sound good as well, don't they? But don't be fooled, ladies and gentlemen. Those phrases are just more of the artful lies that governments use to sell these pieces of legislation. The school choice brought about by the government's ESA, well, that is a lie. Because if you participate, you only get to choose from the institutions approved by the government. And those institutions agreed to the strings attached by government to those programs. Education freedom, which is the term being bandied about now by Governor Lee and every one of his boot licking fellow Transpublicans in the General Assembly, are not very highly esteemed governors using that term to describe the plans to expand the ESA to every county in the state. On the face, that sounds pretty good, doesn't it? It kind of weakens the argument that some animals are more equal than others. What doesn't go away are the strings attached though. Allowing government control. What do you think will happen with those institutions that agree to participate in the program? Becoming the choice for parents to take their kids out of government schools. What will happen to them in the long run? Well, the same thing that happened to public schools all across the state and across the nation. They become beholden to the government in what they are are and are not allowed to teach. As well as in how and how not to teach. Just how long will it be before the government requirement to participate as a school choice school in the SA program means that those private institutions will have to hire educators that belong to the National Education Association and the Tennessee Education Association? Those are the unions that destroyed public education in the state and in our republic. With that, I'm going to take a quick break before I uh, come back for closing out the show with some information on education freedom as well as with God's word. So we'll be right back. And we're back for the closing segment, folks. There's not much time left to discuss Governor Lee's education freedom push, but I encourage each of you to really scrutinize this. Watch what legislation is proposed in the upcoming regular session of the General Assembly. When you have so-called Republicans in the General Assembly saying things like Representative Kevin Vaughn out in Shelby County, who stated this about school choice, quote, it's going to be competition between public and private schools. It would be nice if the same rules applied to each school, unquote. Who sets those rules he's referring to? The government, of course. Those same rules that ruin public, I mean, government education. Pay close attention to these folks and see it for the artful lie that it really is. When we kick off season four, I'll have more to say on this matter and others, especially since the campaign will really get into motion shortly after the season premiere. I definitely will make my position known on this matter and many others that will provide the voters in Sevier County with a definite choice between sticking with the status quo or moving in a direction that protects the liberty of every Tennessee. Well, folks, that will wrap up this episode and this season. I'm looking forward to joining you all again in the new year. I pray that your Christmas Day celebrations are merry and bright, but more importantly, that the celebrations return the focus away from the commercial and secular and back to the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That as a people, we can recognize the promises from our creator that he has kept and know that he will keep the ones not yet fulfilled. We will close this episode and this season with one of God's most enduring promises. It comes to us from Isaiah chapter 40, verses 29 through 31. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youth grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. We all feel tired and weary from the hour-by-hour intrusions into our lives by every level of government. Our government, the very institution that was created to secure our liberty, has caused many of us to stumble and fall. Putting our hope and trust in the Lord will help us all gain the strength and stamina to restore the biblically-based style of government our republic was meant to be. Never forget that resistance to tyranny is obedience to God. Until next year and next season, I humbly pray and ask that you stand in the arena with me. Reveille. It's time to wake up.